month, meaning the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of these things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her 
house. Verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father that he would, what he would have called him. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts, till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Big chunk. Big chunk of scripture. What a narrative. What do we have? Three quarters of our Bible is the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. There are over 300 prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures about the coming Messiah both his manifestation at his first coming and his manifestation at his second coming. But the Hebrew scriptures are heavy with prophecy about the Christ, the Messiah. Mashiach is Hebrew. We anglicize it to Messiah. It means anointed one. Christ is from the Greek word Christos, which means anointed one. Jesus is the anointed son of David. He has the right to the throne of his father David. In the ancient world of Israel, 
They did not crown kings. They anointed kings. And when David was anointed to become the replacement king for King Saul, Saul anointed him and the Holy Spirit came upon, king da- upon the shepherd boy David. And so he was the anointed one, but just for the time of his own earthly walk. But the day is coming when that descendant of David will come who will be on the throne of his father David forever and ever and ever. And if you look at the Gospel of Matthew, you find Jesus' genealogy through his legal father, Joseph. Joseph was the legal father of Jesus. And Jesus has the right to the throne. But it's interesting, in the middle of that genealogy, there is this one king descendant of David. Well, God made an oath. This man will never have a descendant on the throne of David. He will never be, he will never have a descendant sit on that. How does God keep his promise to David and also keep his promise to David's (coughs) descendant (coughs) to me said he will never sit on the throne? Joseph is the descendant of both. Well, if you read the Gospel of Luke, you find another genealogy from David to, it says Joseph, but it's really Mary's genealogy. Mary was also a descendant of David. And so God has it covered completely. Jesus has the right to the throne through his legal father, Joseph, the legal right to the throne, and he has the genealogical right to the throne through his mother, Mary, who is a descendant also of David. God has it covered. But the very first messianic promise we find in the Bible goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, where God is addressing the serpent, Lucifer, who has just engineered the fall of man. And he says to the serpent, I will make a seed from the woman. How's that going to work? I will make a seed from the woman. He will bruise your head. You will bruise his heel. Well, with a serpent, a head bruise is lethal. A heel bruise, a heel injury can be pretty lethal, pretty <laughs> bad, but it's not typically deadly, lethal. And so it would be with Jesus. Jesus would go to the cross and break, say everything that Satan engineered in the fall of man will be reversed by the seed of the woman. And here we have Mary, the narration of Mary. He, was, he drew, drew all of his humanity from Mary, but he is, as the Nicene Creed correctly puts it, Jesus of Nazareth is true God of true God, true man of true man, fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. His, his value is beyond measure. And he is the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist will say, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But here we have this narrative, and we have this fellow, Zacharias, who is a Levite. He's a priest, and it's his turn. His lot got drawn, so he goes. Of course, God is engineering this whole thing. He goes to Jerusalem. He is going to fulfill this uh, responsibility that he has, and his lot got drawn again. And okay, Zacharias, as the sun comes up, Zacharias goes into the temple. 
and they have the burning coals on the altar of incense, the burning coals, the people outside, the area is packed with people, and he's going to pour incense on the hot coals, and the people are going to see the the, ins- the smoke from the incense rising into the... And by the way, this is an incense just like you might have in your house where you stand over it as it's burning going, oh, that's so beautiful. It is incense that is a fragrant incense and it, it is a visual and... What's the word? Nasal? <laughs> uh, huh? Olfactory? Uh, Resemblance of our prayer is our prayers, which are invisible, rise to God. They are a sweet sweet incense to Him. And so they're out in the outer court praying. They're seeing this cloud of incense go up. And as he He has dumped the incense on the coals, and all of a sudden, here is an angel standing there at the altar. Well, Zacharias is an old man. Zacharias has an old wife. And what does the angel Gabriel say? God has heard your prayer. Your wife is going to give birth. Your wife is going to give birth to a son. God has heard your prayer. And what is the immediate response of Zacharias? How do I know that's going to happen? We read this, we go, what? (laughs) Number one, let's step back. Zacharias, your prayer is going to be answered. And his immediate response is, why should I believe that? I wonder how long ago it was that he stopped praying that prayer. I am so old. My wife is so old. I'm not going to bother asking for a child anymore. I would dare say it has been several years since he stopped praying that prayer. But Gabriel says, your prayer will be answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. Why should I believe that? Okay, you've got an angel telling you. (laughs) We should... But what does that tell us about the heart of Zacharias? He is so low in his faith measure that even an angel declaration isn't enough. Okay, Zacharias, says Gabriel, I'll give you another proof. Besides my own appearance to you, you won't be able to speak until it's all fulfilled. Zipped lip. You can't, you won't be able to speak until it is all fulfilled. And as Zacharias comes out, as we read the narrative, he's not able to speak to the people, and they realize, okay, he had a God encounter in there. There's no other way of evaluating this, of judging. He had a vision in there that has taken away his ability to speak. And he goes home. By the way, Not only does he have an angelic visitation, had God ever answered prayers of anybody of ancient, (laughs) who were ancient, granting them 
a son? Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah was 91. So he did have (laughs) examples in Israeli history, plus an angel declaration. And yet, can we actually fault Zacharias? How many times have we read God's promises and said, just as we had someone speaking of their friend and sister, I don't believe it, I don't believe it, I I know what it says, I know what it says, I don't believe it, I've given up, I've given up. Don't give up. Don't give up. God is the, our God is the God who always answers. He always answers every prayer cried out that is in line with his promises and his ways will be fulfilled in his time to maximize his glory and our kingdom glory and reward. God gets it done right and his fingerprints will be all over over it. And so here we have Zacharias. He comes out. He cannot speak to the people. He goes home, and his very, very, very ancient wife becomes pregnant. (laughs) And what does she do? She hides herself for five months, and she is giving glory and praise to God. She is filled with gratitude. And then, as we continue in the reading, what did we find? We found that same angel Gabriel coming to Mary, probably about a 14-year-old girl. She is already, we know from the Matthew narrative, she's already been uh, spoken for by Joseph. They've already got their, their paperwork on file at their version of the county courthouse. They're going to be getting married. And but this is before the wedding, and the angel Gabriel appears to her, this woman who is a descendant of David. <clears throat> and again, verse, verse 26, now in the sixth month, meaning the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among, not above, among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Well, that's totally sensible. How many of you have, I can tell you right now, I've never had an angel appear to me that I knew it was an angel at least at that instant. (laughs) Uh, So it's a pretty startling event. And she was troubled. Now when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. He's calling her blessed. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Uh Uh-oh, yikes. This is wonderful. She was troubled at his saying, consider the manner of what the manner of greeting what this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now earlier, I pointed to that first messianic declaration in the entire Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God speaks to the serpent. I will bring forth a seed from the woman. He will bruise your head. You will bruise his heel. Then we have the statement in Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, this is 700 years before Jesus' birth. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel. God with us. And here we have the fulfillment of seed of the woman, the virgin conceiving and bearing a son whose very name means God with us. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Yahweh saves. Yahweh is actually the same name. The book of Joshua. No, it's the book of Yeshua. It's, it's exactly the same name. We translate in the old, you know, anglicized Yeshua to Joshua, and Yeshua became anglicized, and it became Jesus in, in Greek, and then Jesus in English. And, but it's Yeshua. It's Yeshua. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, and will, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua. Jesus, we will say, he will be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. The Son of God. Jesus was not shy, especially if you read John's Gospel. Jesus is not shy about declaring who he was. When he, the, the young man born blind to whom he gave sight after the, that young man got kicked out of the synagogue because he wouldn't back down on what he knew Jesus had done for him, Jesus finds him <coughs> and says to him, have you seen? Do you, do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Remember, he's never seen Jesus. He was blind the last time he encountered Jesus. Then he received... Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him, the Son of God? He is both, you have both seen him and he is speaking with you. Jesus declared himself to be the Son of God. Also John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Only begotten means heir of all things. Only begotten Son. Jesus declares himself to be the Son of God. The angel Gabriel is declaring to Mary, she will give birth to the Son of God, Emmanuel, the Son of God. He will, he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can these things be since I do not know a man? Now, Zacharias, how is this going to happen? Well, Zacharias had an angel telling him, just like Mary, 
but he also had previous examples like his forefather Abraham and Sarah. Mary's question makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> How can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, she doesn't know this yet, apparently. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was is, who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. She submitted and embraced the declarations that had been made to her. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What had the angel Gabriel said to Zacharias, he, will, he, your son, Zacharias, will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Wow. And Mary comes in, entered the house of Zacharias, greeted Elizabeth, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. May I suggest to you that also John, <laughs> the yet-to-be-born John, was filled with the Spirit. As the angel Gabriel had said, he will be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. By the way, let's stop here for just a moment. We prayed for people earlier that need to be shepherded into the kingdom or deeper into the kingdom. Who is in charge of that process? Who makes that? Every time that happens, if you are here present in this room with us and you have authentically been embraced by God and embraced God back and are a redeemed one, it is because God sought you out. The pattern is the same. The, what meets our eyes may not be the same, but the pattern is the same. The shepherd Jesus sought you out, threw you on his shoulders, and brought you home on his shoulders rejoicing. And I quoted at that time that statement from in James chapter 1. It is of his, God's own will, that he brought us forth, brought us to birth, and we became the first fruits of his creation, that part of his creation that he has the most joy in in. The, his redeemed ones are the ones that he has the most joy in. That's your reality if you have been ushered into the kingdom by him. It was him that did it. And so when we pray for people, can we pray 
with an understanding that God is absolute Lord? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. It happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she, Elizabeth, spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord, the mother of my Lord should come to me? By the way, in that culture, old ladies didn't say to their young cousins or nieces or great nieces, oh, I'm so blessed to have... No, it was the other way around. And yet here is a humble Elizabeth saying, I am so blessed. And of Mary, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She's talking to a, was it probably a 14 or 15 year old girl? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed meaning Elizabeth speaking of Mary, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, put yourself in Mary's place. You've been called to a rather different (laughs) calling than is typical. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. One of the things I love about Mary is she never elevates herself. She is always, both as a young girl, as a girl here, and with her grown son, Jesus, she was always humble. And she calls herself a maidservant, all generations shall call me blessed. In John chapter 1, where Jesus turns the water to wine, his very first miracle, they're at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And they have an absolute disaster take place. They've run out of wine. Now, that's a huge disaster at this. T- wedding feasts were often like three or four days long. They were... And people brought massive, wonderful gifts to people. And the payback from the bride and groom and their families is, we will give you a party of parties. And it's going to be a long party. And you better meet your obligation in answer to their gifts. And all of a sudden, they're out of wine. That's a big disaster. And Jesus, excuse me, Mary says to, her, to Jesus, they're out of wine. And he turns to her and says, woman... What has that got to do with me? In that culture, a son never called his mother woman. Anybody else in the marketplace, a husband addressing his wife could do that, and it's not an insult. But a son, never, never, never. And, but Mary, what does she do? What's he doing? He's saying, you don't have a special claim on me. You have the same claim every other member of the human race has. I love you. I want to bestow gifts of grace upon you. But he is making it clear, you don't have more claim on me than anyone else. 
and she turns to the servants that are present, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And then she backed out, and then he did what she wanted. He did what he answered her faith, and he turned the water into wine, and it was such outrageously fantastic wine that when they took it to the guy who's governing the whole feast, and they he takes a sip of it. What in the world? Why did you save the best wine I've ever had in my life till the end? Usually they save the crummy stuff for the, for the end and serve the best stuff. You saved the best to last. But Mary was not insulted. She understood. Yes, I gave birth to him, but I am not his. I don't have the mother role that is standard <laughs> with him. And she humbly accepted that she is humble she is a humble servant of the lord and mary says he has regarded the lowly state of his maid servant for behold henceforth all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy as on those who fear him from generation to generation. She is reflecting on what the Hebrew Scriptures declare about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She's doing it accurately and with great joy in her heart. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. You want to be used by God? You want to know that God is hearing? Be humble. Be lowly. He has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Mercy. God loves mercy. Aren't we glad that we have a God who loves mercy? What's the number one thing Mark needs? Mercy. Every single one of us, mercy. All day, every day. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. And those are two, God's two favorite things, mercy and grace. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her three months to the point of John's birth and following. That's why the rest of the narrative here, we know, I would dare say Luke got it from Mary because she personally witnessed it. And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her house. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy on her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. This is the day of gathering, the eighth day, and it's the big party time, and he's going to be circumcised, and that is when he receives his name, his official name, They came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John, which is the abbreviated form of Jonathan, gift of God. Gift of God. 
he shall be called John. But they said to her, how snotty can you be? (laughs) We're going to tell mama, we're going to tell mama what to name the baby, okay? (laughs) They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. What is the Jewish tradition? You name a son after his father or his grandfather. There's nobody in the line of Zacharias with that name. What are you doing, Elizabeth? So they made signs to his father, who's still mute, what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John, gift of God. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. This is a miracle. A very old man with a very old wife giving birth, and here is this miracle. They not only name him with an unexpected name, but we have the declaration that comes from Zacharias. And all those who heard them kept in their hearts saying, what kind? What kind of child would this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. This is the God who comes and meets our deepest need. What is our deepest need? redemption. Let me tell you something, folks. You can study every pagan religion the world has ever known. You will never find a God of mercy. 33 million Hindu gods and goddesses, and none of them are good. I know that because a fellow who was in our church many years ago by the name of P.G. Vargas, who is from southwest India, who founded at that time, 20 years ago, they had over, over 700 churches in North India that had risen from the ministry that God used him to initiate. And I, I specifically asked him, are there any Hindu gods or goddesses that even pretend to be good? Oh, no. They're all wicked. They make you do what they want or they beat you up. That's 33 million Hindu gods. You go study all the pagan religions of all time. None of them even pretended to be good. It was all, you come to me with your offerings or I will beat the snot out of you. This is the God who is the creator God, who is God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. And he is the creator God. And he is good. He is good, and he's pouring out mercy, grace, kindness on his people. Blessed be the Lord, God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. What is our number one need? Redeemed from the guilt of our sin. The oldest book in our Bible, Job 19.25, I know that my Redeemer lives and shall stand on the earth. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us and the house of His servant David. As we come to the Christmas celebration, 
Don't get distracted. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by all the paraphernalia and all the traditions and stuff that we, customs that we've, keep the main thing, the main thing. Jesus is the gift of God. And he has actually opened our clenched fists to receive that gift of redemption left to ourselves. We're all such knucklehead idiots that we would not do it. But he has given us that new life. What did he say to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? You must be born from above. It is God's initiative. It's God's initiative. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have since the world, who have been since the world began, all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. We have the promise, and it's been reiterated in one form or another by all his prophets that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. God is our defender to perform the mercy, the mercy, the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Abraham, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a seed, uncountable seed, and I'm going to give you a blessing. And the blessing is upon you will be so great it will, over, it will overflow to the nations. Jesus is that promised blessing that came not just to Abraham and his descendants, but to the entire world. To perform his mercy promised to our fathers to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. What should be our number one goal every day? How, Lord, can I serve you today in a way that really matches your character? And you, child, John, will be called the prophet of of the highest, for you will be go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. John the Baptist will be the herald of the king. He will be the herald of the king. And especially this is pointed out in John's gospel when after Jesus' public ministry has begun. The close of John chapter 3. His John's own disciples are saying, Look, John. All of these people, our ministry is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. People are going to that guy instead. And uh, we're really upset about this. And John says, I'm not upset about it. What are you talking about? This is the way it was supposed to happen. This is actually a sign of my success that the people are hiving off from me and going to him. Yay. That's the way it's supposed to be. I'm the herald of the king. I'm not the king. You, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, and you'll go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. Repent. Change your outlook. Change your orientation. That's what that word we translate repent means. Get your mind right. Get your heart right. And you, child, will be called 
the prophet of the highest, where you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. No. Look at him, look at him. What does John the Baptist say to his own disciples? I saw, when I baptized him, I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him in the form of a dove. By the way, that was Jesus' anointing. In the same way that oil was used as a figure for the Old Testament, and they anointed the kings, the descendants of David. The dove is an, a picture of the Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist witnessed Jesus' anointing, I could say, when he saw the dove lighting upon him. And the voice came from heaven, this is my beloved Son, in whom, Son, 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 in whom I am well pleased. I, the Father, find no fault. No fault. No fault. He is the perfect Son of God. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You will give, he will give knowledge of salvation to his people, speaking of John here from Zacharias, by the remission of their sins. And later on, Jesus went upon the event of his baptism. He then went and spent 40 days in the wilderness. Then he came back, and in John's gospel it says, and Jesus is walking by, and John references Jesus and says to his disciples, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that is when John, who became John the Apostle, and Andrew, who became Andrew, left from following John the Baptist to following Jesus. And why? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He will give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. What is the motivating feature of our God that causes him to redeem us? He is a God of our favorite word, mercy. Through the tender mercy of God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Day spring is just an old-fashioned way of saying the dawn. this is the dawning of the light, the dawning of the light. What did John the Baptist, he, he said, the light is coming, the light is coming, the light is coming. When Jesus comes, the dawn erupts. With which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. That is what we are without God taking the initiative. We sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What is our expectation? It's not good. It's not good at all. It's defined as death, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of shalom, peace, peace, peace. And the word shalom, the word peace in the Jewish culture isn't just lack of conflict, it is overwhelming blessing. Shalom is sitting down at the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> it is all the blessings it is all the blessings that come from God hand, God's hand. To give to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Peace with God. We're no longer in conflict with God, and the blessings will come and come and come. So the child John grew 
and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts to the day of his manifestation to Israel. It's interesting. Why was he in the deserts? Well, one of the things that the angel Gabriel had said to Zacharias, he will drink neither wine nor drink, strong drink. He is a Nazarite. That was a group of, like Samson was a Nazarite. They were not allowed to drink any alcoholic beverage. They didn't cut their hair. They're, and he's out in the wilderness. Well, by his life, by his, the environment that he is in, he is actually portraying the coming of the Lord. When our Lord comes to rescue us, it will be to deliver us from a terrible situation. When Jesus came and started his public ministry, uh, what did he do? Did he wander around out in the wilderness? And No, he actually sat down and went to parties. And the Pharisees said, <clears throat> that fellow Jesus, he sits and eats wine with tax collectors and sinners. Well, I have come to call the sinful, <laughs> not the righteous, to repentance. John the Baptist's lifestyle actually pictured Israel's experience in the process of them being, being shepherded into the ultimate kingdom. Jesus' lifestyle reflected kingdom partying. You didn't Get ready to party. When you get welcomed into the presence of God, when you step into his eternal reign, folks, it's going to be party time. It's going to be party time. You think you know how to party? You don't know anything about how to party. Like you're going to know how to party then because you're going to be in the presence of God. We won't have a fallen nature, so there's not going to be any threat to our partying. <laughs> there's not gonna, it's not going to mess with us. We will be able to unrestrained dwell in the presence of the holy God. And it won't be a threat. It will be a place of joy. That's the full message to us out of Luke chapter 1. Can we t accept that? Our Lord Jesus, <clears throat> we thank you for granting to us the mercy, the grace. You are the steadfast shepherd. You sought us out. You brought us home. You purpose that mercy, grace, shalom, peace might be our life experience and ultimately kingdom life experience. We look forward to that day and we are asking that in this time of year, when we are approaching the time of your birth and celebrating your birth, that that will stay at the corner of our, at the center of our outlook. That we will keep the main thing, the main thing. You are our Savior, the one who brings mercy and shalom to us. We give you praise right now. And ask that in this coming week, you will enable us to have an opportunity to share this message with one person or more. All to your praise. In your name, Shepherd Jesus, we do pray. Amen.